0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today, as promised, we're going to finish up the rest of the game, see if there's anything new or if it's just kind of more of the same. Either way, just kind of get a, uh, a play-by-play, at least from my perspective on things that look good, things that look bad. Um, we'll see where we're at as far as time. Uh, we are, where the heck did we leave off here? Um, about halfway through the third quarter, I think. So we should have time to at least run through the Sunday games and, and probably just do the Monday game. Cause I always forget to talk about that on Sunday anyways. And I'm thinking that should be about it, but, uh, why don't we just get started? Hope you're doing splendid, but all right, let's get it going again. So, so again, um, One of the things we left off on is the defense was really starting to pick it up. Um, You know, they they had kind of given up some longer drives, whatever. And then they get the offense off the field quickly. Our uh, team drives. We get a touchdown. And then our defense gets another three and out. Incomplete four-yard pass. Incomplete punt. So now our offense is back out there. First play right out of the gate. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs honestly are wide open. Watson is way down the field. This is a massively blown coverage. I have no idea if they just didn't see Watson or what, but you've got three guys. There's there's two guys by Watson. They're both just coming straight downhill. I don't I have no idea why the safety's doing that, but whatever. Really worried about Romeo Dobbs, I guess. Jordan Love is able to get that out to him. Can nitpick it, but I'm not going to. So obviously Christian Watson runs. This should have been a touchdown, but uh He gets horse-collared from behind, and um, I guess you kind of know the rest there. Um, Overall, though, good play, right? Obviously nothing wrong with the play design when you have two guys open. One of them gets a 77-yard completion, and this is on first down, right? A lot of times we come out and we run. We come out and we run. We come out and we run. We've done that the last couple times, first play. What do we do here? Play action and take a shot, and it's open. This was Jordan Love under center, no motion, 11 personnel. Now, after the penalty, we are on the, looks like, 4-yard line. Dylan in the backfield, shotgun, 12 personnel. We got two tight ends back out there, along with Wicks and Dobbs. Wicks is in motion, and the handoff loses 2 yards. Now again, before we complain about the play calling, the last time we got a touchdown, we ran like 6 straight times. The entire last drive was run, sacked, pass, run, 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 touchdown. It's hard to know from a blocking standpoint exactly where the biggest failure was. Um, you could say Rasheed Walker. It's kind of hard to tell what they're trying to do. On one hand, you've got the two double teams. On the other hand, Elton Jenkins is kind of pushing toward the other double team, which closes that area. So makes you think that maybe Rasheed Walker, we know he's supposed to keep him off to the other side, to the left, but from a schematic standpoint, it would make sense to try to run in between the two double teams. So I don't know why Elton Jenkins would be pushing in that direction um so it's possible that it's Rashid walker that is to blame here for not being able to control his guy um it's also the double team that includes elton jenkins and josh myers they weren't able to get a single inch of push uh, dylan actually runs into the back of myers and it's a two-yard loss so a double team lost ground that's never a good thing so just a complete inability to get any level of push whatsoever even with double teams i mean that's that's kind of garbage but again from a schematic standpoint it's like i wish we could get back to what we were doing before where we're stealing yards as opposed to saying you know we're relying on tight ends on the outside to block which not as much because this was up the gut but also it's on Rashid. whereas before it was two double teams run up the middle now maybe you were trying to mix it up not trying to be too predictable whatever i don't know but it didn't work because we, we're relying on someone to win a one-on-one, which shouldn't be a big problem. I mean, that's that's a pretty standard expectation, win a one-on-one. It's not a, it's not a one offensive lineman trying to stop two guys. It's a simple one-on-one, and I'm expecting you to win, and that loss ruined everything, but I'm just saying. Next play, the Packers are in 21 personnel. You got A.J. Dillon, and I'm guessing Josiah Deguara in the backfield, along with, I can't quite see the tight end right now, I'm going to guess that's Musgrave on the offensive line with Dobbs and Watson lined up in tight. You've also got Jordan Love checking on this play. Christian Watson did come in motion. And we've got at the snap, um, DeGuara coming across the formation from the backfield. You got Watson coming around behind the quarterback to try to, you know, get the linebackers to hesitate. Um, And then A.J. Dillon takes the handoff. And this seems to be the second time, at least, that the defense really maybe a slight slight hesitation with Watson but they they really were just expecting Dylan to get the ball and he did and this time I'm kind of put, putting the blame on Dylan they they basically ran the exact same thing I mean from a blocking standpoint it's very similar um they just ran it differently it ends up being two tight ends on the because Deguara runs across the formation so he takes somebody on the outside which is what it was in the last play the two tight ends block on the outside then you have two double teams and Rashid Walker by himself. I mean, it's the exact same blocking as what you had before. The issue that I have is this time it's much more clean, where there is a gap between the double teams, and furthermore, you also have um, Josh Myers coming up and making a block, trying to get up to the next level. Now, I don't know that it's great, but A.J. Dillon chooses not to go that way. He chooses not to run between the two double teams. Instead, he goes between the double team and Rasheed Walker again. And I don't know why, because it's there's nothing there. Rasheed Walker loses again. I mean, he he loses his block again. I have no idea why he went that way. And there's also defenders there. So there's, there's defenders to the other side, but trust the double team. Trust the push. You got four offensive linemen that, when you lower your head you can push and they're going to push with you. And again, Josh Myers does try to get up to the next level. I, again, I don't know how well this is going to work, but it's going to work significantly better than the other way where you have really no offensive lineman there to help you because Rashid Walker's losing the d- double teams are going the other direction. So it's just you against defenders and nobody. So, you know, again, I don't think this is a touchdown. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if there's enough push, I don't know why Dylan got away from running through a double team. I mean, again, there's a wide open hole, right? This, this is how these work. You get the double teams, there's a wide open hole. And then there's like the smaller, you know, linebacker safety defenders kind of in the hole there, but you're going to have Myers helping you with one of the linebackers. And it's going to be you and Myers essentially against a linebacker and a safety with maybe some defensive tackles trying to grab you from behind. I mean, there's a chance this pushes in the end zone. I mean, he. It, this has always been my critique of Dylan. He bails too quickly on what's... The, he sees defenders in the hole, he gets scared, he just runs a different direction. The problem is there's defenders in the other hole too that you just get no help because you're running out of the structure of the play. And Walker's just getting whooped two plays in a row. And so at the end of it, you got the guy that was there with... Uh, the guy that beat Walker grabs him. There's another guy who grabs him from behind and then there's three defenders in front of him pushing backwards with Walker pushing from the side because he lost. And then Elton Jenkins tries to turn around and do something, but he's facing the wrong way also. And then you've got one, two, three, four other blockers, uh, I guess five if you consider the other tight end, who are nowhere near there that can't help you. So nobody is there to help you. And the two guys that are are facing the wrong way. I don't know why he does that. He's trying to be too smart. Like I said, even Dylan on that good run, he still ran the wrong freaking way. I think that's twice now. There, there was a positive result, and he ran the way that I don't think he should have. One of them ended up better than it would have, but it still wasn't the right decision. One of them ended up the exact same way, but it was just kind of unnecessary that he ran the wrong way, but whatever. He's just, he's so jumpy. Like, he's trying to be smarter than he needs to be. Like, just, just go the way you're supposed to go, man. So we had a 77-yard pass. Then we get first and goal from the three-yard line, lose two yards, second and goal from the five-yard line, and then we get one more yard back. Now it's third and goal from the four-yard line. Now we tried run-run because run, we were running and running and running and running before and it worked, and now the running's not working. So what are we going to do? We're going to pass because now it's just not working. And and to expect after those garbage plays to be able to get in from four yards out, pretty unlikely. Now we're in 11 personnel. Christian Watson shifts. He's kind of in a H-back formation. Jordan Love immediately rolls out to his left. It looks like Watson didn't even have a route, was just kind of, I mean, th- this is a a two-man route. This is Rashid Walker and uh, Romeo Dobbs. I mean, Christian wasn't even trying. Dylan, I mean, these guys are just backside blocking, basically. And I have no idea if that was a miscommunication or what Romeo was trying to do. Uh, Jordan threw it to the back corner of the end zone. Romeo wasn't there. Um, it probably seemed like he was maybe just throwing it away. Neither of them were open, but it seemed like Romeo was trying to like get inside of the guy and then break to the outside, but the defender just pushed him, so he ends up out of bounds, so he couldn't have caught it anyways. So, I mean, if if you want to knock the play calling on this one, you certainly can. My only thought on this is this, field, this feels like how they treat Justin Fields. We're going to isolate it to one side. We're going to take all your reads and your options away, and we're going to try to give you something easy to that side. Maybe that's me being unfair. I'm just saying. I I don't remember seeing them do this very often. It's let's just cut the field in half, and we'll give them a a two-layer read, right? You're looking in the same part of the field. You either throw it high to Romeo or low to Jaden Reed. Neither of them were open, and it just got thrown away. Basically, or he was trying to hit him in the corner and Romeo wasn't there, but he wasn't going to get there. So got to settle for a field goal. And then, and I think this is where a lot of the frustration comes with the defense. You know, the defense gets a stop. We drive down, get a touchdown. The defense gets a stop. We drive down, get a field goal, right? I mean, things are going in a good direction. It's like, man, I know that last couple plays sucked for sure, but we scored 10 points on the last two drives. We got a serious chance of coming back and uh, winning this game, Right. I mean, it's it's 13-10. We're winning. Let's get another stop. Let's get another three and out. What happened? Ten play drive. That ends in a touchdown. It's like, come on, guys. Don't start doing this now. Don't start losing. So anyways, Packers are back down 13-17. And as you're well aware, that's where the score ends. But that's not where the game ends. So we'll pick it back up. Packers first and 10 from the 25-yard line. Jordan under center. 11 personnel. Dylan in the backfield. Watson comes in motion, handoff, run to the left, gets three yards. And, I mean, long story short, the reason it's only three yards is nobody can block. I mean, just, I don't know what else to say other than nobody can block. Um, it's just it's just frustrating, man. I mean, look, when, when you run to the left, I mean, it's a, it's a good job by the defense. You want to start running to your right as fast as you possibly can, because the, the offensive line's job is to get out to your right and stop you from moving to the right, because... The offense is running to your right, right? The offense is left. The defense is right, and our team does such a bad job with that. Like we, we just, we really struggle to get out in front of you and stop your momentum and wall you off so that you're not moving in that direction anymore. And you know, essentially, if I mean, it was this is it's well blocked by everybody that isn't an offensive lineman. Um, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson did a fantastic job blocking. I mean, they. <laughs> Josh Myers tries to get up to the next level. I don't think he knows who he's supposed to block. I was looking at it at first, like, why is he being asked to get up to the next level and get this linebacker to who's to the far side? Like, he's never going to get there. Romeo's coming down and blocking that guy. So, first of all, uh, Josh Myers is going for the wrong guy. So that's not super helpful, but it doesn't matter because he's picked up by Romeo Dobbs if Elton Jenkins and and Rasheed Walker could just do their job, this could have been a big run, but they both just got annihilated. They both just got beat. And then the double team over here with Runyon and, uh, and Zach Tom is useless because the defensive lineman is running so fast to his right. Uh, Zach Tom is pretty much useless for some reason. He's like pushing him in the back from behind which is the opposite of what you should want to do. And, uh, Runyon can't get out in front of him. He's basically hitting him from behind, too, because the defensive linemen are faster than our offensive linemen, apparently. Even though we know the direction we're supposed to be going, you should be able to get that first step, get out in front of them, but we just can't do it. They, they launch to the direction of the play faster than we do, which is a freaking embarrassment. Um, Elton Jenkins and Rashid Walker had them blocked, had them just kind of hold them there. Nope. By the time A.J. Dillon gets there, they are behind our offensive linemen. Elton Jenkins and Rasheed Walker are both trying to grab from behind. Um, I mean, I've seen this so many times. I'm so tired of it. They have one, two, three, four defensive linemen behind our line. Behind our line. One, two, three, four of our offensive linemen are in front of their defense. Where the heck is our other offensive line? There must be a fifth one in there. I mean, maybe there's a guy down here on his face somewhere. I can't even find him. Um... I don't know. He's missing. But uh, yeah, our 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 offensive line is further down the field than their defensive line because they just get behind us and we just look stupid. I'm so freaking sick of that. And it's like we, we can't... You know, this, this offense is not built to run power. At least that's not the, the way that Matt LaFleur likes to play. But that's the only thing we can seem to do. The only way we can win is if we have... Two double teams against two, you know, if we design it four on two and just try to steal three yards up the middle, if we try going laterally, we can't do it. God forbid we have one on ones. We can't even win two on ones. It's just, it's so bad. But Packers hurry to the uh, line of scrimmage. Jordan gets under center, back to 12 personnel, hurry up, snap it, play action, takes a shot down the field to Watson, and um, I mean, it should have been caught, bottom line. It looked like from the end zone view and even from the TV view that it kind of went off his fingertips, but from the sideline view, it kind of looks like it went through his hands. And this is where the offensive or the the receivers start failing, right? This is where you got one drop, and we, I know we got two more coming up, and the game's almost over We're already in the fourth quarter. So we've seen Jordan Love struggle. We've seen the offensive line struggle, and now we've got the receivers basically just crumbling at this point. So I guess kind of the good news is that we could definitely call this a good throw. And the only reason I say kind of is because Christian Watson looks like he's kind of jogging, which probably isn't super ideal. But still, I mean, I, I we need those two to have some kind of a connection. I think that's a big missing piece for this offense is there's no like big love to Watson thing going on. We had the 77 yard thing, which, you know, was really just a broken coverage, but hey, I'll take it. This one, Christian Watson was blanketed which is not generally where you see Watson at his best. He's flying past people, but he's out there kind of jogging I think cuz the, you know, he's so far down the field. I don't think Jordan Love had any more arm left. I mean, this is like a 60-yard throw. But, yeah, just you you got to catch that. And again, it's like from from the offensive play calling standpoint, what in the hell are you going to call anymore? What is left to call? We no longer can run, right? That was a thing for a little bit we can't do it. Right? We can't pass. Um, we, we're, the pass blocking seems okay, but Jordan love is struggling. And now we got receivers dropping passes. Like what, what am I supposed to do? We can't run. We can't pass. We can't block. What in the world am I supposed to do at this point? I I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking, I can't even fathom the frustration that Matt LaFleur is having. And then after the game, everybody wants him fired for play calling. Like I, I would have such a hard time keeping my mouth shut. I would just text an apology to Gouda Murphy, and then I would just go online and just skewer everything. Like, you bunch of effing jerks. (laughs) This team sucks. It's not my fault. But anyways, third and seven now. Kind of an interesting formation. We got Christian, or excuse me, uh, Jordan in shotgun. We've got, I guess you'd call it two personnel, which is zero in the backfield and two tight ends, but one of the tight ends is a running back and it's Wicks, Dobbs, and Reed out wide. And this now feels like, and and look, maybe Jordan is starting to pick it up. We're in the fourth quarter, so, you know, this feels like things are moving, right? The first pass was to Watson. It was a good pass, and it was dropped. This is similar to what we had with Christian Watson earlier, where you got a guy so far off. He runs an out route just past the stick. Jordan knows immediately where to go. The timing is impeccable. Right, he's 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 staring down the middle of the field, and then boom, to his right, throw the pass. It's on time, right out of his break. Dontavian Wicks catches the pass, goes out of bounds for a first down. Like this was the design. I mean, this is this is what we're used to seeing from from Jordan Love and from Matt Lafleur and from the wide receivers. Like this is how the offense had been working for a while now. Well, it's just one play, but it's it's just like, where the heck has this been for three freaking quarters? Now, Luke Musgrave did fall on his face coming off the line of scrimmage, but it is what it is. But anyways, good play call, good blocking, good passing, good execution, first down on third and seven. Now we got first and ten from the 38, and an A.J. Dillon run for six yards. Jordan under pressure, Musgrave in motion, another run to the left, um... I would not necessarily say it was well-blocked. Elton Jenkins kind of struggled again. Josh Myers, as always, is lost. I swear, I don't know if he's always going after the wrong guy or if they're always just telling him to try to do impossible stuff because they like making him look like an idiot out there. But he is constantly just running to the next level and just running around looking stupid. Like, why don't we just play with four offensive linemen? We might as well, because it's freaking useless. But essentially, we've got double-team with Rashid Walker and Luke Musgrave on... Max Crosby, and they were able to block him, which is great. Two guys on Max got him locked down. But we want Elton Jenkins to, again, be able to get to the, you know, create a gap between Elton Jenkins and Rasheed Walker. So he needs to be able to get to the Rashid Walker side of the defender and push the other direction, and he cannot do it. So even you can see A.J. Dillon even hesitating because it's like, well, crap, we've got... um the, the defender, Elton Jenkins, is on peaking that direction, as well as a defender in the gap. And once again, we've got, uh, is that Rashid? Who is that? I guess that is Rashid Walker. He's able to come off that block and actually block one of the guys, which is great. But the, the issue is Elton Jenkins just fails miserably. Now, kudos to Dylan for finally just saying, you know what, I'm going to lower my pads and go where the play is designed, because that's always going to end up being the best result. Because at least you have Elton Jenkins kind of helping you a little bit. And so you really just have one, one defensive arm trying to stop me. He lowers his shoulder, hits that guy in the shoulder, and basically just knocks him off um, and pushes for six yards which is why it's always best to just follow. It wasn't well blocked. There was no hole for you to run through. But go through the designed hole, and you're going to be able to push for more yards than if you bounce it into an area where nobody's blocking, nobody's pushing, and it's just defenders. You're not going to go anywhere. So Elton Jenkins completely botched that, but it still was able to push for six yards. So second and four from the 44-yard line. Jordan is under center, 11 personnel, with looks like Dylan and Sims. And then I think it's Watson and Dobbs at wide receiver. This is a quick pass to Romeo, and Romeo is able to go and get four yards on the play, first down. Again, no issue with play calling or execution. First and 10, 48-yard line. Now we're in 21. I feel like I've seen different formations through this entire game. 21 personnel with Dylan behind him. I'm not sure if that's Tucker Craft or Musgrave immediately to his left. And then another tight end off the left side of the formation with, I think, think watson at the bottom of the field i don't know but anyways at the snap you've got josiah deguara coming across the formation to help block on the right side of the offensive line past zach tom who's ben sims that was next to um jordan love he does a great job blocking somewhat hard to tell where this run was supposed to go um again this is one where it looks like it might have been designed um stupidly I'm not positive, but my best guess would be that he's supposed to run between Max Crosby and number 95, the defensive tackle. The problem is, from what I can tell, the only person blocking Max Crosby is Josiah DeGuara coming across the formation. Now, maybe he's supposed to have help with Ben Sims, but it gets blown up so quickly he's like, I don't know, I'll just go find somebody else. Or what? I don't know. But the reason that's my guess is because generally what you're trying to do is create a hole. And a hole is created when everybody pushes one way. And then in another area, you look at somebody pushing the other direction. Well, the only guy coming across pushing the other direction is just just Josiah DeGuara pushing. But Max Crosby does such a good job of just going, nope. And he just, it's not even like he's trying to make a play. He just ducks his shoulder and kind of dives toward our right tackle, Zach Tom, just saying, you're not going to, I'm not going to let you create a hole here. And so Dylan tries to bounce to the outside of DeGuara because at the same at the same time it's really not that big of a deal if you go that direction because we got another tight end kind of pushing the other way too. So I'll just go around behind you there. The problem is Max Crosby has already gotten around behind and has grabbed him, and so now there's nowhere to go. the The other issue, which is just freaking painful to watch, is and i'm i'm sorry that this is some sometimes hard to explain but there are a bunch of next level defenders right so we can we can block it up nicely here but we want to try to account for some of these linebackers and stuff and as per usual that we have two offensive linemen to the wrong side of both linebackers so really let's just say max crosby wasn't there to make a play All right, let's just pretend. So this is really well blocked by Ben Sims. He's able to create a hole there. Josiah DeGuarra pushing the other direction. Okay, we got a hole. The problem is we have two linebackers coming downhill. Both linebackers have made it to the correct side. In other words, they are toward A.J. Dillon, and both of our offensive linemen are away from A.J. Dillon. And, and, you know, Zach Tom is a little bit tougher because he kind of comes out and just kind of sees a guy in his face, like, oh, what are you doing here, And, and isn't able to block him. Josh Myers actually... Has an opportunity, and a lot of times he's not even in a position to succeed. So I can't even be super mad at him. This time he gets there, he tries to blow the guy up rather than just like getting in his chest and holding him there, like you're not going anywhere. He goes in, and it's like he tries to pancake him and whiffs, and the guy just runs around him. Like I just want to kick him in the stomach. Like what are you doing? You finally have an opportunity to just and and listen, you have an easy job because it's going to be hard for him to even get over there anyways. That linebacker's got to cover some ground. Just, just get in his way a little bit. Nope, doesn't even get a freaking finger on him. Like, come on. Like, I understand it's hard for an offensive lineman to do stuff in space, like with a linebacker and everything else. But, man, I swear, every time you freeze frame this thing, it just looks embarrassing for our offensive linemen and our, our blockers every single time. Our, we're constantly chasing from behind, um, even away from the, the play. Like, it doesn't matter because it's away from the play. But you've got a defensive tackle with one hand inside of Elton Jenkins' shoulder pad, basically just throwing Elton Jenkins on his head. Like, guys, this is, this is crazy. Anyways, Dylan is able to push for three yards, but it's just, it's just bad. Anyways, uh, you know what? Why don't we take a break? I didn't realize we were so late into this. We'll take a quick break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, fourth quarter, 11 and a half minutes left. Second and seven from the Raiders' 49-yard line. We're in 12 personnel. Deguara in motion, actually double motion. He, he shifts to the left, motion to the right. Another handoff. They really like this, this coming across the formation, blocking stuff. And honestly, it's not as bad as I remembered it, having watched the game. For the most part, aside from like the two times they were asked to block Max Crosby and couldn't. By the way, the, the I, I mean, I don't know. Supposedly, he blew up this game. I've I've hardly mentioned him once. I mean, there there were two plays he blew up the run. But anyways, uh, Josiah DeGuara comes across the formation, does a good job blocking. Oh my goodness, man! And Elton Jenkins is just—it's rough today, man. I mean, he's he's. I mean, Rashid is really struggling, but he he's becoming my least favorite offensive lineman in this game. This was a really well blocked play, really well designed. Everybody's everybody's on it. We we've got a double team, two double teams, right? like usual, but here's the bonus. We got Elton Jenkins pulling and coming through as a lead blocker, which is dope, Doug. And I got more good news for you. Not only is the double both double teams holding up and doing a great job, and there's a big hole to run through, but there's one defender in the hole, and Elton Jenkins is coming through like a freight train. In fact, Ben Sims, there's actually two guys in the hole. Ben Sims comes off of his block and blocks Spillane number 41. What a fantastic day he's having. So there's one guy left, number five. This is a, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is so well blocked, it's a pretty big hole. It is just big enough for two guys to stand shoulder to shoulder next to each other. Guess where Elton Jenkins and number five are? They are shoulder to shoulder. Now, if you're somewhat observant, you might ask the question, why would they be shoulder to shoulder? Isn't Elton Jenkins supposed to be in front of them, like blocking them? Great observation! But nope, they are shoulder to shoulder, with Elton Jenkins with his arms spread out like he's, he's a frickin' airplane, trying to block him with his wrist. Don't pass, Red Rover, Red Rover. This should have been a massive run. This should have been, I mean, this this is, this. they never block this well. Deguara does a great job on the outside. Tucker Craft has got his guy blocked. Ben Sims, we've got three tight ends on the outside, they're all blocking. Including Max Crosby. I mean, probably not for long, but I mean, Tucker's got him. Zach Tom is dog walking a guy down the field. Then you got a double team inside of that. They're holding strong. Rashid Walker has just got his guy walled off about five yards away. Nope, not making any ground here, folks. All Elton Jenkins has to do is freaking level this guy, just push him out of the way. There's a massive freaking hole to run through. And he runs past him. Like, oh, he didn't see him until he got shoulder to shoulder with him. He came through the hole like, oh, shoot, there he is. And this one guy, the only guy comes unblocked in the hole and tackles A.J. Dillon. This is so frustrating. I mean, even at the point in which he's tackled, I have such a, a, a great view of this alley. It's almost like a, a, an Oklahoma drill where there's just like this path that you, that you can see as clear as day. You can draw a line right here. They have created such a wall. And it was essentially an Oklahoma drill where number five just lays out AJ Dillon and Elton Jenkins is grabbing the defender from behind, trying to pull. Like frickin' Oh, that kills me, man. That frickin' kills me. It was perfectly executed just across the board. One, two, three, four. I mean, we had nine guys, eight guys blocking perfectly. And one guy just completely whiffs, and and this big play goes for nothing. Technically three yards, but jeez. Thanks to Elton Jenkins pulling the defender back as Dylan, uh, you know, gets smoked. Sorry for being um, a little passionate, but it's like, (laughs) I never get to see good blocking, ever. And this was such a beautifully blocked play. And Elton Jenkins just comes in running like he's playing a freak, like a five-year-old pretending he's an airplane, just... (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're playing football here, dude. Forgot. I was playing airplane. <laughs> Anyways, now it's third and four. We got five guys spread out. Looks like Wicks, Watson, and Dobbs to the left. Musgrave and, uh, excuse me, Dobbs. Musgrave and Dobbs to the right. Wicks, Watson, Reed. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't see the number. That might be re- Dobbs up top. They both look like they have sevens. I I don't know. Doesn't matter. We got five guys out wide. Jordan is checking, checking, checking. And again, this just feels like things are working, right? What do you see? Jordan checks, right? He he, he he makes some kind of an adjustment. Jordan is staring down the middle of the field. And then after a certain period of time, he breaks and looks to his right. Like he's expecting now, uh, I think it's Musgrave. Um, the timing, I think, might have been a little bit off because he's, he, you know, one, two, three, boom, look to the right. He hadn't quite come out of his break yet. So he waits for him to come out of his break. And Jordan immediately throws the ball. Um, great throw. He's on the run. It's a sidearm pass. Perfectly thrown. Musgrave catches it first down. I mean, again, this is like, I know it's simplistic stuff, but it's just it's just intelligent. It's just taking what the defense gives you. We need four yards. We pick up six. Just a real quick out route. And Musgrave is able to, you know, use his leverage to get to the outside. Gets enough separation. Good enough throw. It was kind of low, but it was, it was low in a way. Away from Musgrave, he catches it and easy first down. Like just easy peasy. That's the thing. Like when when the offense is working and, and, and all the really good offenses. I mean, I shouldn't say that because it never really was that way. I don't think with um, McCarthy Rogers offenses, it, it never seemed easy. It just seemed executed at a high level. Um, but you look at Shanahan, you look at Lafleur, you look at these guys when their offenses are working. It looks easy. Like guys are just open. Like, you don't even want to give um, the offense or the quarterback's credit. Like, Brock Purdy's not getting any credit. He might be an elite quarterback, I don't know, but it's like, what's he doing? He's like throwing to wide-open guys, like, congratulations. It's just such an... You you just make the defense look stupid. Like, why can't you cover anybody? Why is everybody open? Like, this is simple. Like, why don't you just call the Musgraves open play every time? (laughs) You know? Um, That was... I'm joking, but that's what it feels like. So... Anyways, first and 10 um, from the 40, the Raiders 40-yard line now. Jordan and Shotgun, 12 personnel, 13 personnel with two tight ends to the right. Ben Sims in as the H-back. At the snap, Deguara comes to across the formation. Sims runs from right to left, kind of following Deguara. It is a play-action pass, and he is sacked by Max Crosby. Here's the thing that I didn't necessarily remember about this play. It's like, well, why do you have a tight end coming across the formation trying to block? We kind of didn't. I mean, we did and we didn't. It's it's actually fairly well blocked at first. So Josiah DeGuara comes across the formation, right? Here he comes and he blocks Max Crosby and he actually does a good job. But then he releases out to catch a pass. Um, and then at that point it is Tucker craft's job to pick up Max Crosby. And that's where things kind of go South. And yeah, looking at it, nobody's really open. I think the only option would have been as soon as Josiah Deguara releases, get the ball to Deguara. Um, the issue with that is he's going to pick up maybe a yard, maybe two yards, something like that. He's not really going anywhere. So we've got nobody open down the field. Um, which, look, if if once in a while our guys are covered, it's like, well, yeah, you, you, the defense has got to win one one time. But when you factor that in with we're asking a tight end to block Max Crosby and then release into the flat, and then another tight end picks him up, look, let's just burn this play with fire, all right? Let's just dump a little gasoline on it and light this one on fire. There, there's there's I'm not saying that maybe under different circumstances these guys come open under different defensive play calls, maybe this works, but still from a blocking standpoint... It's, I mean, again, it's not necessarily a bad play because nobody was open. I mean, that depends on the defensive play call, and they just called the right defense at this time. But again, it's just compounding problems at this at this point, where you know guys aren't open, and you know, and and look, here's the other thing: if nothing else, if if we, let's say we had to run the same play back, which would suck because it's it's not going to go very far. One thing that I would like to see. It's a weird way to put it because I would not like to see this. But one thing I would be curious about is what if you put Ben Sims in there? Because, listen, Tucker Craft has been pretty bad at everything. As a receiver, as a blocker, Ben Sims is tearing it up in this game, especially as a blocker. But he also had that play where he caught a pass for like a yard, which should have gone for a yard. He stiff arms a guy into oblivion and picks up like 12. So, yeah, this was just bad, right? And, And if there was ever a play to put on Matt LaFleur, this is the one. Especially since it's such a momentum killer, you know? I mean, we're, we're doing such a good job of, of dinking and dunking our way down the field. And granted, this is probably supposed to be a dink and dunker. We're probably supposed to dump this one off to the tight end. But And honestly, I, w- I wish Jordan would have. I mean, I I think he's trying to make a play. He tries to step up when he sees the pressure, and he just he couldn't escape. Now, I'm sure in his mind, he can beat Max Crosby by stepping up and then make a play down the field, unfortunately. And what he doesn't know is there's no play to be made down the field. So either just launch it and throw it away. Or just dump it off to DeGuara and see if he can pick up a yard or two. But anyways, this is uh, Matt LaFleur and Tucker Craft on this one. And I'm only half mad at Tucker Craft because he shouldn't have been asked to block Max Crosby to begin with. Anyways, now we get uh, the really, really good play. Second and 17, Jordan Love, pass short right intended for Christian Watson, intercepted by Robert Spillane. So Love is under center, play action, and really it is it is a very good job by the, the defender to read and react to this um again love is kind of predetermining where he's going to go um he knows that watson is going to come back to him so as soon as he comes out of his break he throws it expecting you know christian watson to come back and he does but the defender as soon as he throws it like he's he's not even look if if this was if this was like a play action thing or something that defender would have been so out of position as soon as jordan cocks his arm back he is sprinting back to the quarterback Um, and it's, it's sort of like running the route for the, uh, for the receiver. Basically he gets out in front, could have been picked, but Christian Watson essentially playing defense gets in, swats the ball, ball goes up in the air and it's picked. Um, so again, the, the, the problem with the play, I mean, again, we can just chalk it up to sometimes defenders make plays, right? And in this case, the defender made a great play. The biggest issue though, in my mind is predetermining. I know exactly where I'm going with this ball. Um if we let me just double check here because sometimes after the ball is thrown, defenders do different stuff. Yeah, so we did have an option to Tucker Tucker craft in the flat. Might not be anybody's favorite option, but you have an open receiver as opposed to a not open receiver. And that's about it. But but again, this this is this is these are the the things that we were talking about before that are just easy, right? They're they're giving you Tucker. Now, he might only get back to about the line of scrimmage. Remember, it's 2nd and 17. That might bring us to 3rd and 10. I don't know what kind of speed he's going to have to kind of get to the sideline and get up the field or whatever. If I had to guess, I would... Yeah, my my exact guess without even seeing the, the sideline thing was I bet he gets to about the 40, and that's exactly where that marker is. So 2nd and 17, you pick up 7 on that play if you check it down to him. Now, I, I, again, you could, you could very easily say that 9 times out of 10, this is a completion to Watson. That completion would have been an extra 5 yards on top of of what I think Tucker would have gotten. So we would have been in third and five as opposed to third and 10. And, and you could chalk it up to just being a really good play by the de- defense to, you know, read the situation, read the quarterback and go back and make a play. That's fine. If that's where we want to draw the line, that's, that's fine. Cause again, sometimes the defense makes a play. Sometimes the defensive coordinator calls the right play. We can't expect our, you know, again, it's the rock, paper, scissors thing. If we expect to call the right thing every single time, that's crazy. Sometimes defensive coordinators make, you know, call the exact right play at the right time. Sometimes defensive players make the exact right play at the right time. It happens. It's freaking unfortunate, but it does happen. So, anyways, that's how that ended, um getting picked off. Fortunately, our defense does step up again. They get another 3 and out. It's it is kind of funny or it's like our <laughs> We need our defense to step up, and then they step up, right? And then we take the lead, and the defense is like, I can't do it anymore. And then we give back the lead, and they're like, all right, let's go, boys. Like, dang it, dude. <laughs> I needed you before. Again, I'm not mad at, you know, the defense wasn't the problem here, but it, it just, again, that's where the frustration comes in. Where it's like, we got this. We finally got this. If the defense can just hold If the de- okay, okay, screw it. Never mind. But all right, we got a three and out. We're still not out of this game. I think this was the point in the game where I was kind of like, man, I don't even think we should win the game at this point. Like, <laughs> I just was almost borderline feeling bad, like we shouldn't even be in this. I don't know how we're doing this. Anyways, first and 10 from the Green Bay 17. Jordan under center, 11 personnel. Play action, hard boot to the left. And uh, again, well, look, I mean... It, this is one of those things where it's easy to kind of look at the screen and see something here. This should have been a big completion to Christian Watson. Um, and again, that's easier to say, but I mean, you got Watson there waving his hand. He's, they're on the same side of the field. It's the guy closest to him. It's probably not the easiest throw in the world, but at least try to make the throw. It's, and I guess it's really not even that hard. There's a ton of space behind him. Just throw it over the defender and behind Watson. So Watson, just so we're clear, everybody. so this is another one where we've got Jordan rolling to the left. Then we have three layers of guys to the left. You have Watson, who is um, basically at the first down marker. You've got... Um, uh, looks like Wicks is about 10 yards behind him, and then I think Dobbs is about 5 yards behind him. So really pretty deep down the field. But again, there's such a gap between the first and second guy. And and Wicks and the other defender are ten yards behind Watson. The defender is two, three yards in front of Watson. Watson is running back toward the other defender with his hand in the air saying, throw it, throw it, throw it. And he's not throwing. now, he's he's kind of scared because there's a defender coming, and that was the one where he stiff arms Max Crosby. So it's like, all right, that was, you know, that's everybody's favorite play, I guess. It seems like he he tries to kind of set his feet like he kind of wanted to throw it, but then he got scared and was like, no, I'm just going to run. So you could technically blame that on the lack of blocking. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because it was a big, pretty big play, I think, to uh, to Watson. But I mean, Jordan ran to just about where Watson was anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, and again, it's hard to be mad at Watson after he stiff arms Max Crosby because that's freaking dope, Doug. But it doesn't matter because Holding is called on um, on who is a uh, Tucker Craft. Basically, he's diving at people, missing, and then just grabbing their legs because he doesn't know what else to do. And as far as Max Crosby getting there and kind of blowing up the play, they're, they're, it's like, well, who, who messed that up? Nobody. Max Crosby basically just – he was on the left side, and he was in Jordan Love's face all the way almost to the sideline – of the right side of the field. We're talking defensively, but either way, from the left to the right, he just ran clean across. He ran behind his own defensive line. He just, that, that dude's just a freak, man. That's all there is to it. Um, I don't know. That's crazy. But ultimately, again, it doesn't matter because there's holding on Tucker Craft who is continuing to struggle. I saw some other people pointing out, I think, uh, I haven't finished the J.T. O'Sullivan thing, but apparently it was mentioned on there, after Jordan Love's stiff arms, one of the best defensive ends in football, basically the entire Green Bay Packers sign line just stands there. What happened to that whole, like, fired up, young, youthful, excited locker room? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Maybe it's, and and honestly, it might have been because there was a flag thrown. Either way, you need to to get excited, but I, I think it just kind of, you see the flag and you're like, oh, crap. That's a possibility. But still, your quarterback laid out Max Crosby and ran for a first down. I don't give a crap. You have to get over there and show a little bit of juice, man. That's not good. I mean, Dontavian Wicks clapped, and Aaron Jones, who's not even um, geared up, ran over there and was like slapping him on the helmet and everything. Everybody else just stood there. So anyways, now it is first and 18 from the Green Bay 9-yard line. Shotgun, 11 personnel, three wide receivers to the left. Quick pass, wide receiver screen to Christian Watson. Fairly well blocked. Picks up eight yards, making it second and ten. Again, you know, and listen, these these are kind of Packers staples, anyways. But it's just I'm noticing a lot of we're 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 taking decisions away. Right there was the touchdown that last play that that Jordan ran for. Again, what was that? It was boot to the left. Everybody's on the left, right? It was it was a layered concept with three guys right there in front of your face. We're seeing a lot of just one read, one throw, predetermined, this, that, or the other. It's working, but this isn't an offense right now in in terms of like what we're actually doing and and executing that's going to be able to do much. But second and 10, 17-yard line, Jordan under center. Again, 11 personnel, two left, one right. Actually, it might be 12 personnel. That might be Deguara kind of in the H-back stance, whatever. Uh, Dantavian Wicks in motion. This is a play action, toss back to the left. Again, creative, just not executed. So it's play action, Jordan Love boots out to the right, and then turns and tosses back to the other direction. Now, part of the reason that the pass was so bad is because Max Crosby was in his face. Why was Max Crosby in his face so fast, you might ask? Well, aside from the fact that he's really fast and really talented, Rashid Walker decided to just not even... I shouldn't say he didn't get a hand on him. He did. He literally got one hand on him. Um... That's literally all that touched him. Max Crosby quick jump to the inside, and it was just it was game over within one second, literally one second of the snap. I've got this freeze framed. We might even be less than a second at this point. Rashid is basically grabbing Max Crosby from behind, so Jordan has to turn around, see a guy in his face, throw a fadeaway jumper that hits the ground. So, incomplete. Um, I mean, the other part about it that kind of sucks is I I'd love to say. That this was really well designed and everything was going to be fine. There are a couple complications, though. I mean, I I still think, because there's no defenders out there, I still think it would have been a really, really good play. But we do have two offensive linemen laying on the freaking ground out there. But let's just say he catches it anyways. I mean, it, it, he's still got 10 yards of running room and a bunch of... He's got you know some offensive linemen there to block for him, protect for him, whatever. It's just a cluster, man. Again, like on the whiteboard, it works. And, um, in other situations where Rashid Walker is able to block and then therefore the pass is better, it's probably a better play. And then of course the one guy who is blocking down the field, um, who the heck was that? Is that Runyon? He just misses a block. So I, I guess having blockers down the field doesn't necessarily mean anything anyways. Let's we'll see if that's him. I think that is Runyon. Here he goes. I'm going to block somebody. Nope. Doesn't even touch anybody. So we got two offensive linemen. So we had three offensive linemen out to block against uh, like one or two, um, defenders. Two of the offensive linemen are laying on the ground. One of them doesn't block anybody. So the two defenders end up making a play against three offensive linemen who blocked zero people on top of Rashid who didn't block his guy, which is why the pass was incomplete to begin with. It's just, it's just a fricking embarrassment, man. It really is. I mean, listen. I, I I don't mind the straight up pass blocking. I know there was some pressure. There was. Max Crosby got I think seven pressures in this game, which is not not good. But again, even that, as we identified that his his ability, his pressure rate in just mono mono blocks was low. He didn't beat our tackles just straight up very often. He beat Rashid there, but generally he didn't do very much. It's just every other thing that we're asking them to do. Like, can you get up to the next level? No. Can you block in space? No. Can you stay on your feet? No. Can you pull and try to block a guy? No. Like, I can stand here and not move. And only if we're we're pass blocking. Otherwise, I'm going to fall down. If you try to give the ball to somebody in a run, I will fall down right now. Frickin' try me. (laughs) It's crazy. Anyways, third and ten now. We again have that sort of unusual formation with Two tight ends, three wide receivers, but one of the tight ends is a running back. And for the second time, I believe that's Patrick Taylor. Jordan Love is in shotgun. We've got no motion. Jordan Love takes a shot down the field to Christian Watson, and it is just in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea what this was intended to be. Um, you could blame it on pressure, I suppose, but it looks like he's able to get all the way through his throw. Maybe not. I, I looks to me like he got all the way through it before he got hit. But Christian did have a step on the guys. He's deep down the right sideline. Christian has to try to sprint to the middle of the field where the ball is. um, And it just lands just right smack dab in the middle of the field. So that was, there's nothing there. I mean, I guess it could have been a miscommunication and, and Watson was supposed to be in the middle of the field. I don't know. I have no idea. But we had Max Crosby come all the way across the formation. You probably remember this one too. Catches Elton Jenkins completely by surprise. And by the time he sees him, he can't get out there and do anything. Myers also, and actually, you know, again, as far as did he get the ball off beforehand, Max Crosby pulls up because the ball's out, uh, which would be an indication that he was able to throw it. Uh, He kind of barely, yeah, it was, the ball was out before he got touched 100%. Now again, did Jordan kind of panic and not quite throw it right because he was worried about, you know, whatever? Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, the, the, the ball was absolutely out. The other frustrating thing, Leaving that aside, leaving leaving aside the fact that it was a bad throw, leaving aside the fact that I think Watson probably was there, this is the second time now before it was Jaden Reed where it was a really bad pass into triple coverage where Jaden Reed was not really even an option. I mean, it's it's always kind of an option, but it's not an option. He's just clearing out. Listen, he's got Musgrave open, wide open underneath. Um, But you probably don't want to throw that necessarily because I don't know that he gets a first down. He might. He can maybe turn it up. I think he maybe gets five yards short. The design, though, is for Romeo Dobbs. That's the entire design of this play. He runs underneath Christian Watson here and comes open. Now, it's a tight throw, but it's the designed throw. Throw it to the sideline and let Romeo Dobbs go and get it. I mean, that's what the design is. So do it. I mean, there's basically no reason. I mean, by the time he throws it, Christian Watson is not even close to being behind either of these two defenders. So he's just throwing it up there, expecting Christian to just go run underneath it and get it, which again, the, the throw is terrible anyways. So so there's no logic to throwing it to Watson, none whatsoever, other than I'm just going to throw up a heave-ho trying to make some kind of a big play. And again, this is exactly what we always knocked rogers forward it's like why why do you just need to just sling it down the field there's a design here there's an intention and this is again this is what we always loved or what i always loved about jordan is there's a structure and he stays within structure he always makes the right read at the right time it's just it's just a slight accuracy issue but if he can just tighten up the accuracy this thing is going to move like a well-oiled machine there is a specific design to this play and he doesn't throw it to the guy's designed to go to and if he's scared to throw it to romeo dobbs fine it's a little bit tight there. Number 34, who's here? I mean, if you it's one of those things, if you freeze frame it, you know, a, a couple frames later, he looks a lot more open. But one of these guys probably drops off if, if the ball isn't being launched to Christian. I still think it's open. I still think you can throw it to him. But if you can't, find, You know what you do? You give it to Musgrave and see what he can do. That's what you do. I don't know, man. I don't know. It is frustrating, too, because Christian Watson just Watson just sails. I mean, it's so fun to watch him play because again he's he's not behind these two defenders and it looks like the guy's jogging and he still gets behind the defenders like he just he just he just floats past people if that i mean if that was a better thrown ball down the the right sideline i mean he could have run underneath it and got a touchdown he's so much faster than everybody it's freaking crazy but i don't know we're we're so far away from trying to get that dialed in like there's so many other things that need to get dialed in i guess i can't even worry about that right now So anyways, that brings up fourth down. We got a punt. Uh, Defense, uh, let's see, how many plays did they give up? One, two, three, four, timeout, five, six, timeout, seven. So seven plays, they allowed just two first downs, and then they had to punt. So defense comes up strong again, gives the offense one more chance to go back and score, right? The defense has given the offense numerous, 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 numerous opportunities to go win, and and again, this is where on this final drive, I'm just like, I'm I'm not gonna feel good about this if we win. I mean, it, nothing wrong with wins. Don't get me wrong. I, I, it's better than losses, but I mean, it's just gonna be one of those wins where you just are pissed about it. Like we, I'm I'm sorry, we didn't deserve this. So, I I, I guess I'll just say the right team won. That's that's all there is to it. Uh, anyways, final drive fourth quarter a minute 56 left first and 10 from the green bay packers 42 yard line actually it wasn't a punt it was a missed field goal i forgot about that i was like wait a minute how how is it a 52 yard punt and we got it at the four oh 52 yard field goal yeah so i mean i mean the the defense kind of came up kind of didn't i guess came up well enough but anyways first and 10 shotgun 11 personnel musgrave is the tight end Looks like Patrick Taylor, and there's been a lot of Patrick Taylor lately. I don't know if Dylan's just tired or what. Play action, quick pass to uh, Luke Musgrave, who just gets immediately into the flat. We got a guy blocking downfield. Again, this is a one-read thing. There's no decision to make. It's take the ball, play action, throw it to Musgrave. Musgrave is really solid. He's a really good option for these kinds of plays because of his speed. He's a big dude, but also because he's fast, he can kind of turn up the field and get a little bit more yards than than a lot of other tight ends are going to be able to get. So I kind of like him in that role. We've seen him do it a couple times. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you guess where he's going to end up and then look at where it actually ends up, he's usually a little further down the field than I expect, but he picks up 7 yards on that. So, really nice play. Puts us in second and 3, obviously an optimal situation to be in. Again, shotgun 11 personnel, same exact thing, but Musgrave on the left side this time is the only difference. Basically the exact same concept, except this time it's uh, Patrick Taylor. Was that, is that Emmanuel Wilson? No, that's Taylor. I thought that was a three. Um, Patrick Taylor releases into the flat. So Musgrave goes to the opposite side. Taylor releases into the flat. Same thing. Immediately throws it to Taylor. Taylor picks up the three yards. And again, this is like the offense just looking good. Jordan goes through, read one, read two, boom, give it to the check down. One, two, boom. First down. Like this is like, we just need this consistently, you know? Which is unfortunate because... We were able to do this consistently. It was just you know the accuracy issues and whatnot, and now it's like now we don't even have a consistent like offensive flow, but also the inner the uh the in the accuracy is still sort of off. but it's like we see it, we see the glimpses like here we go, we're moving like this is this is it. keep going so first and ten raiders forty eight yard line again, we've got that like two personnel, zero back, two tight ends. Musgrave on the left, Patrick Taylor on the right. It's the third time we've seen this now with Patrick Taylor in at, at like the tight end position, essentially. Shotgun, no motion, and the, the design is very obvious. Essentially, you have the two tight ends stay in block. The three receivers get really deep down the field. Why? They're clearing out underneath. Both Musgrave and Taylor release into the... Into the open areas into the flats, I guess, with a lot of room underneath to work. That's the intention. Now, if if they don't drop and guys are open, cool. But the intention is tell your receivers to sprint down the field as fast as they can, creating a lot of space underneath so we can dump it off and try to steal yards. That's exactly what they do. Dump it off to Musgrave and Musgrave is able to pick up eight yards. We're just stealing yards. And again, this is is as quarterback friendly as you could possibly get. Hey, I'm going to make sure that you have a wide open guy right in front of your face who can go get yards after the catch. Like, I, that's. There you go. And it worked. Eight yards, bringing up second and two from the Raiders 40 yard line. Again, this is the offense where you look at it and go, man, if we could have been doing this all game, we'd be up 30 to, to 14 right now. <laughs> like, we, we should be smoking this freaking team. But all right, second and two from the 40 yard line, shotgun. I guess you can call it 10 personnel because Musgrave's in the slot. He's in kind of tight. I don't know, 11, 10, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. We're a foot away from 10 personnel or from 11. But shotgun, no motion, and this is one that the defense just won uh, on several fronts. Number one, the pocket does kind of collapse uh, pretty quickly. Now, Jordan still has time, but he immediately starts to panic. I mean, it's it's immediate panic time, but also nobody's open. I mean, it's just, it's perfectly covered. We We called the wrong play at the wrong time, right? It's a good defensive play call. Everywhere our guys go, somebody's there. Now, Jordan doesn't really need to panic, and actually, now that you look at it from the end zone camera really there it's actually very well blocked um there isn't really a need to to panic but he does panic and uh, just throws it away now again it's it's disheartening to see him panic because i think that's a big part of the problem of what's going on in general is there's just a lot more panic going on there's been more pressure um but at the end of the day it doesn't matter because nobody was open anyways the the only difference would have been if he decided to you know break the pocket and run or something i don't know but that wasn't going anywhere so third and two now. Um, shotgun 11 personnel can't tell who the tight I'm guessing that's Musgrave probably the same personnel because we're trying to hurry and we are going to run it out of shotgun uh, and we are going to get five yards actually can't be too upset with the result I do think Patrick Taylor did exactly what AJ Dillon does Um, Bilal Nichols is the defensive tackle here Elton Jenkins doesn't do a great job of blocking but it's not terrible essentially what happens is you've got a double team to the right of Elton Jenkins. So uh, Runyon and Myers are double-teaming a guy, and they're winning. They're they're dominating this guy. Elton Jenkins is one-on-one. Bilal Nichols just peeks his head over to the side where he's suppo- where uh, Patrick Taylor's supposed to run. Taylor panics because there's a linebacker there and Nichols' head's there, and he goes, oh, I'm going to go the other way. Well, that's dumb because that's not where it's supposed to go, and you got a bunch of defenders over there. Had he just trusted it, he would have had Elton Jenkins blocking Nichols and Josh Myers releasing off of that, coming up and blocking number 41. But Patrick Taylor saw two defenders panic, ran the wrong way. But again, you got the five yards. It was plenty of push. Elton Jenkins was pushing. He was pushing. They got five yards on it. But again, I think if you go back, I'm assuming if they go back in the film room or whatever, they're looking at this, they're saying, you got to trust your freaking blocks. Run, run, run. Go where the freaking double team is. It's not better over on the other side. There's just as many defenders over there. You just have less ability to push. But it worked, so whatever. So now it's first and 10, 59 seconds left. Raiders 35-yard line. I tell you what, it's really, really late, but we're going to take a second break here. <laughs> I'm sorry to do that. We didn't take a break yet. So we'll be right back. We'll wrap this thing up, and uh, we'll really quickly run through the, uh, the games also at the end of this. Just a couple plays left. We'll be right back. All right, one more time. 59 seconds, first and 10. Raiders 35-yard line. 10 personnel. Patrick Taylor still in on the field. And again, we're doing the same easy kind of stuff. We got... On the bottom of the right side of the offense, you've got a defender way off the line of scrimmage. So what are we going to do? Romeo Dobbs is going to run an out route. And it's going to be there. It's just, it's just there's too much cushion. We're going to steal those yards. And so that's exactly what they do. Romeo Dobbs runs out. And uh, Jordan Love throws a good ball. Romeo Dobbs drops it. He turns before he pulls it in. I mean, this, this again was, we've been doing this all day. This is automatic yardage. And Romeo drops the ball, literally and figuratively. Now, I still want to point something out here, because a lot of people, I'm not mad at Jordan because the wide receiver is messed up. So far, I have seen 742 mistakes by Elton Jenkins, about 62 mistakes by Rasheed Walker, I think three mistakes maybe from Matt LaFleur, probably 18 mistakes by Jordan Love, and one mistake from Romeo Dobbs. I'm sorry, I'm not throwing Romeo Dobbs under the bus here. <laughs> that's not, right, that's that's not acceptable. No doubt about it, you can't be dropping passes. And there's also one mistake from Christian, and we still have an upcoming mistake, I believe, from Luke Musgrave. In fact, I think it's on the next play. Right, that's that's frustrating. But I also feel like, maybe because this is how the game ended, that that's what everybody thinks or sees or remembers or whatever, I don't know, but again, it's it's... I I I can't be mad at at Musgrave for his one mistake when he's been really solid the entire game, including as a blocker for the most part. Um, but he had one mistake, and and you know Myers is floating around like a freaking butterfly. He doesn't know where he's going. Rasheed Walker can't block. Elton Jenkins is is just serving no purpose on this team. Um, you know, again, Jordan is is all over the place, and it's it's like. No, I'm sorry. Like, I I, I get it. Three drops looks bad. You look at the receivers as a whole group and say that wasn't good enough. Fair enough. I mean, they were very much good enough and and should have been much better because there was a lot, especially Romeo. He was open a couple times that the ball didn't get to him. So they're doing their job most of the day. But yeah, you're right. In that one instance, they made that one mistake and they shouldn't make one mistake. But if that's the standard we hold for them, then what the heck is the standard for everybody else? How many mistakes does Jordan get? How many mistakes does Elton Jenkins get? Because some of these guys are making mistakes more often than they're actually doing things correctly. So, I'm not disagreeing that that's not okay, but that's sort of where I'm coming from. Like, dude, that's the first time I've been upset with anything they've done today. And I guess for Musgrave, it's two mistakes, because the one time he ran the wrong route. Which, again, still, he had a wide open, you know, Jordan had a wide open Romeo Dobbs, and he could have thrown it to Musgrave on that play anyways. But, you know, again, two mistakes by Musgrave. Um, second mistake incoming. Second and ten. Raiders 35-yard line, exact same lineup, personnel, whatever. Musgrave is out there, but he's kind of split out a little bit. And um, basically, Musgrave and it looks like Samori Turi were both wide open on the play. Uh, They both basically ran the same route and based on the defense. And again, this is where Matt LaFleur deserves some credit. Rock, paper, scissors, right? You run routes anticipating where the defense is going to be. It's not just I'm going to call a play. It's it's, I'm going to call a play because I think this is what you're going to do defensively. And so this is going to be what I do to counter your defense. You got two guys open in the middle of the field. How? Because you anticipated rightly what their defense is going to be. So fantastic play call by Matt LaFleur. Two guys open on a play. Uh, Both of them are basically at the sticks. Samori Terry was a little further down the field, and now that Musgrave dropped it, you obviously wish he'd gone a different direction. But, you know, the ball was a little bit off where it should have been. But obviously, I mean, this is beyond catchable in the NFL. I mean, it hit him basically in the right shoulder. And especially since it wasn't like he had to turn around and catch it. I mean, you were sitting down. Not literally. I mean, you're 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 standing still and facing the quarterback. If it hits you in your right shoulder, that's that's a decent pass. You well, know, I guess it was kind of as I go back, he did kind of dive backwards a little bit. Whatever, and he was slipping and what I I don't know. Again, could have been better on both fronts. I mean, Musgrave has to catch that pass. Uh, Jordan, you know, I mean, we could say he should have gone over to the other direction. I, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is both of these guys are open. So you just you just got to catch the freaking ball. Bottom line is no reason to analyze further. Third and ten. We all know this is the final play. Same exact formation. This is now, I think, the third time we've seen Christian Watson throw his hand in the air. There was instant pressure. Jordan escapes it. He rolls out to the left. Again, Watson has his hand in the air right now. He tries to throw it as quick as he can. The ball is, I mean, it's it's not only late, which, again, isn't entirely his fault, but it is underthrown. I mean, it, it really is. Um, the other issue is that he didn't have to throw it to Watson. I mean, that, that isn't a requirement. If it's too late, it's too late. You know what I mean? And and it was. You know, Watson put his hand up and he was open. And we'll get to the offensive line failures in a second that caused what should have been a touchdown to not be it. Because bottom line is if if Jordan had time and you haven't this immediate, you know, hand in the air, I mean, more than likely he throws the ball in the exact same spot where he threw it, but he throws it, you know, before the receiving, you know, no guarantee that it was an accurate pass, but it's, it's, there's a good chance that this is a touchdown. So the offensive line deserves some blame. But here's the other, again... It was too late. You shouldn't have thrown it. The other thing is you also have Samori Ture open across the middle of the field, right? Now, I, I know you, you've got, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a first down. He's at the, about the 15-yard line. You could have easily thrown it to him. Now, I, I think he broke the pocket. He's scared. He's panicked. People are chasing me. He sees Christian Watson with his hand in the air. And, and by the time he throws it, I mean, Watson's only at about the 10-yard line. So you feel pretty good about, it. I'm going to throw it to the corner of the end zone and let him go under, underneath and get it. I don't know if he just didn't throw it hard enough. There's too much air on it because this thing just kind of floats and floats and floats for a really long time. Um, I think, you know, even a, a better ball with a little bit more juice or something in the corner of the end zone maybe would have gotten there. I don't really know. Um, but the ball just kind of hangs in the air. It's under thrown. And I think it was just kind of a panic throw. Again, if, if he kind of just sets his feet and takes a minute, he probably sees Samori Toure, could have thrown it to him. Or just take off and run or something. I don't know, but you, you you can't throw that. It was just it was too late at that point. As far as the offensive line, it's our old buddy Elton Jenkins. I, I, I think he had like an average grade in this game, and I don't know how. How did PFF give him an average grade? This is horrific. Um, who the heck is this? I can't quite see what it says there. But number 90, defensive tackle. He just goes right around Elton Jenkins. Jenkins barely gets a hand on him. Um, that's crazy. That's freaking crazy. But, I mean, honestly, Samori Ture might have got a touchdown. Now that I'm looking at it, I mean, if, if he throws it to about the five yard line, I mean, Samori Ture probably gets a touchdown on that play. So, this look, um, the offensive line wasn't good enough, um, especially as far as the run blocking goes. They just look like an absolute cluster. Uh, they also obviously failed in pass blocking, especially down the stretch. I mean, things started to really break down. I think Jordan really started to panic, he wasn't seeing the field well enough. He had options he didn't take. Uh, running backs were adequate, I guess. They constantly made bad decisions. But essentially, I mean, our entire run game is basically just create double teams and run into the double teams and hope that we can push forward. I mean, that's like our entire run game concept right now. And I'm not saying like it's it's a fault of our offensive coordinator, our head coach, our offensive line, our run game, co- whatever. I'm saying that's all we can execute right now. Um, I, I Again, I don't have a problem with the scheme. So that is now my official answer. I I think guys were open almost the entire, I mean, if you, again, if you look at it from a rock, paper, scissors standpoint, our offensive play calling just ran circles around their defensive play calling. I I spotted two, three times the entire game where they had everything covered. That's crazy. But blocking's not good enough. Passing's not good enough. The, you know, three drops in a game, three picks in a game, that makes the difference, man, you know? So, you know, bottom line, the, the blocking has to be better. Jordan has to be better, and I think if we can do that, I I feel confident that we're going to be okay, and I think Jordan gets better if the blocking gets better. How much better, I don't know, but at least back to what we saw the first couple of weeks, because I do think a lot of Jordan's issues right now are panic. He's not seeing the field because he's not thinking clearly because he's just going to uh, 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 get the ball out, <laughs> you know? So as frustrating as it is, and as much as I basically just complained this entire time, um... Now, I didn't go watch every single player on every single play, so I can't give you an overall assessment. Um, I am contemplating possibly getting back into the grade stuff. I'm, I'm going to talk to JJ a little bit and see if he wants to do a little bit of the leg work and kind of help me so that it's a little bit easier. Maybe we'll start to go that route. But um, just from what I watched, if, if I had to pick a player that upset me the most, it had to be Elton Jenkins. Um, after that, and again, I didn't watch defense, but after Elton Jenkins... It's probably Jordan, and then maybe it's Josh Myers after that. I mean, really, as far as like who did I appreciate in this game, I I actually really like the tight ends. I know they were kind of the whipping boys because of the blocking, although I think that was mostly down to the coaches saying they shouldn't be put in those positions. But I I I enjoyed watching the tight ends, especially Ben Sims. Every time he was out there, he blocked well, he caught well, yards after the catch. I think Musgrave genuinely, generally did a good job. I thought Deguara had a really good game and actually the grades reflected that at least for Sims and Aguara, I don't think Musgrave necessarily but you know when you got a drop pass and you're running wrong routes that'll happen. But you know I mean I I I think those three guys are an asset right now which is good. And honestly I mean the wide receivers are too. It's just we, we got to get the ball to them but as as far as like the blocking and the underneath stuff like that's starting to develop and that could be a real asset if we can continue doing that. Um Tucker is kind of the odd man out right now as far as you just kind of don't want him on the field but we got three other guys that I feel pretty good about, and, and I'm going to have to dig back into Ben Sims and figure out what his story is, because I don't really remember, but, you know, as much as that was probably somewhat of a fluke, the fact that he is, like, the most reliable guy, at least, I mean, in that last game, I, I didn't want him off the field, but, um, all right, uh, obviously don't have a ton of time, and I don't know how many of you actually care, but uh, we'll do the Sunday games really quickly. You probably already uh, may have heard this if you watched, um, I do every Wednesday with Matt Ramage, we go through and do our picks and whatnot, but for those of you that haven't seen it, um, Baltimore, Tennessee obviously has no repercussions for the Green Bay Packers. Baltimore, last I checked anyways, four-point favorite, I have them as six-point favorites. However, I don't feel great about it. Doing a little bit more research on top of it, I mean, so, so here, here's the situation, when I say I have them as six-point favorites, there, there is a mathematical way that I do things. But understand, the math is based on what they've done in the past. One of, There's a couple issues, though. Baltimore has lost two of their last three, which would indicate they're getting worse, similar to like the Packers. So using every bit of data and, and using that equally, which is generally what you do, right? Like week one is just as important as, as week five. That may kind of skew things. So they're they're down two of their last three. Their offenses look terrible. And this is their third road game in a row. And I looked into it. Teams on their third road game in a row win 39% of the time and are um, 45% against the spread. So I'm still leaning Baltimore, but I would not want to bet that one because there's just too much working against Baltimore right now. Um, Carolina, Miami, Miami was 13 and a half point favorites. I have them as 15-point favorites. You have the number one Miami offense against the number 28-ranked defense in Carolina. They are the only winless team, I think, right? I don't know. They're winless, though. I know that. Um, none of the Panthers' losses have even been close, with the exception of one game that was three points. Uh, generally, teams that are 13.5-point favorites win 88% of the time, so you feel pretty comfortable about a win at the very least. And against the spread, uh, 49.1%. So, you know... Betting against the spread is kind of iffy, but betting on them to win, which obviously the odds are terrible, and you probably shouldn't do that either, but if you're just looking for who's going to win, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Uh, Indian Jacksonville, Jacksonville four-point favorites. I actually have them as just 1.2-point favorites. They did already play the Jaguars 1 by 10, 31-21. That probably factors in quite a bit. Jaguars are on a two-game winning streak, including a big win over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, The Colts have covered the spread against the Jaguars just once in their last eight meetings, so remember, they are in the same division. And so, uh, the, the Colts are generally underperforming in that matchup would be the way to say that. So would lean toward betting Jacksonville, even against the spread, but again, not one that I necessarily would like to touch. Minnesota and Chicago is obviously the most important one for all of us. I'm not sure who you're betting for. I'm not sure who I'm betting for as much as it's like, I would love for Chicago to win because I don't want them to get a good quarterback. Can you imagine if Minnesota ends up with one of the top quarterbacks and Justin Jefferson, like as much as I hate Chicago. Um, Minnesota, I think, is is built. I mean, they, they have a better offensive line. They have one of the best wide receivers in football. All we need is for them to get a great quarterback, and that's a freaking dynamite team waiting to happen. The Bears are a disaster. They're They're getting ready to fire their entire coaching staff. They need a rebuilt offensive line. Yes, they have DJ Moore, which, you know, whatever, but if I had to pick one of the teams to get a top quarterback, it would be, I guess, the Bears, as much as that makes me sick. So... I don't know. Uh, Minnesota, two and a half point favorites. I actually have them closer to five point favorites, 28 and a half to 23 and a half, call it 29, 24. Vikings have won four. Uh, they've won the last four in a row and the last five out of the last six, five out of the last six. Vikings have covered five out of the last seven. So everything is pretty comfortable from that standpoint in terms of Minnesota winning and covering the two and a half. But I don't personally like it because of the Bears' recent offensive success. Yes, I know that they've played bad defenses, but even still, I mean, a bad defense doesn't always give up 40 freaking points. And also, I just don't trust the Vikings. I've been kind of betting on the Vikings every week in terms of my comfort level with them. I guess I was relatively close with that that Chiefs game. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's it's been all year with the betting on the Vikings and the Vikings kind of coming up short of me trying to give them credit. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I I really don't know what I'm rooting for here. On one hand, like I'm scared of a Chicago comeback where they they basically annihilated the Broncos, but then just kind of failed in the end. Then they whooped the crap out of Washington. And then if they beat up on Minnesota, especially by a large margin, now I'm, I'm genuinely concerned about Chicago. Um, I would love to see Chicago kind of get brought back down to earth, but, um, I don't really want to see a strong Minnesota either. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, whatever, just whoever loses, just be happy, I guess, you know, uh, I don't I don't know what, how else to, yeah, I guess you just want to see two bad teams just running into each other, just running into walls, I guess would be the, the one good outcome here. But again, it's another game that I just, I'm uncomfortable with. I mean, everything's kind of pointing Minnesota, but again, I think if you really emphasize the last couple weeks, I don't know that that would be the pick. New Orleans-Houston, New Orleans, Orleans one-and-a-half point favorites. That's about what I have, about two-point favorites, 17-ish, 19-ish. Don't really have a ton of other information on that. It's just it's just kind of too close to call for me. Seattle-Cincinnati, this one's really weird. Cincinnati's three-point favorites. I actually have Seattle as six-point favorites. Again, this is based mostly on the what we've seen this year. The big question, though, is is Cincinnati for real? And obviously Vegas kind of thinks that they are. Let me just check to see if that's moved at all and in what direction still just three point favorites so yeah Vegas is leaning on the Bengals kind of being for real um I, I I again I'm not touching it because I don't know, but i'm I'm always a very you know how I am I'm slow to everything I mean i I, I thought Cincinnati was going to be good all year, but I'm not going to just say that they're back after one good game. So I'm going to continue to lean Seattle until Cincinnati can prove it two weeks in a row. Again, based on what's happened this year, Seattle is easy favorites in this game. So if you don't believe Cincinnati's for real, that's an easy, easy bet. If you do think that they're back, then I don't know exactly what you do. Um, Some other little tidbits here. Seattle is coming off a bye. They are 0-3 straight up and 0-3 against the spread the last three years coming out of a bye. Seattle hasn't covered the spread the last five meetings against the Bengals in just one out of their last eight meetings. And you could say that's not really useful because they don't play each other very often, but there is also a travel component to this. You know, it's possible that that isn't incorporated enough. So again, it's like, I don't know, man. I would want to lean Seattle, but Cincinnati's scary, and Seattle also sucks coming out of a bye, and seemingly against the Bengals, historically. And the Bengals haven't been a good team, historically. Uh, San Francisco-Cleveland, San Francisco, six-point favorites. I have them as a little over eight-point favorites, 23.7 to 15.1, call it 24-15. 49ers have been one of the most dominant teams we've seen in a very long time. They are absolutely obliterating every team. Only one team has scored more than 16 points, and the 49ers' lowest score this year is 30 points. I mean, it's unfreaking believable how good they are. Um the Browns—the last game they played—they lost 30, uh, 28 to three. So they're coming off a horrific loss. They're at kind of a, an all-time low. The 49ers are sailing on a high. Browns haven't covered the spread after a buy. They're coming out of a buy too since 2018 and once since 2015. Now this is what I mentioned before about coming out of a buy. Expectations are way too high, and teams just generally do not come out very strong. So um, this one I do relatively feel comfortable with as far as I mean, it's it's I don't have a ton. Again, I, I only have them as about eight or nine point favorites compared to six, but I, I if you're going to bet anything, I would kind of lean San Francisco minus six, definitely San Francisco um, straight up. Washington and Atlanta, Atlanta two and a half point favorites. I have Atlanta four point, 2420. So again, I kind of lean about a point and a half more so than Vegas does. Washington is on a three-game losing streak, including a 40-20 loss to the Chicago freaking Bears. Their defense is atrocious. They've given up at least 33 points the last four weeks. So Atlanta's offense has been pretty bad, but this is a defense to, to kind of score some points against. And again, I've only got them scoring 24 and they still win by a decent amount. So relatively, but not massively comfortable picking Atlanta new england las vegas vegas three-point favorites obviously they're coming off a win over the packers so they're feeling good new england has scored three points the last two weeks i don't mean three points each week i mean three points total in two weeks absolutely putrid offensive performance lately um i've got this game 2016 so again raiders three-point favorites i have a four point favorites not super comfortable betting that but if you want to it's there barely rams cardinals rams are seven point favorites i have the rams winning by but not by that much 26 to 22 ish it's actually 4.65 points it becomes a five point win for the rams if you look at it home versus away so it's not that big of a difference so i would lean rams but um i actually did bet a little bit on arizona covering the spread probably stupid to ever bet on arizona but we'll see what happens Then we got Detroit, Tampa. This is another unfortunate one. Detroit, just three point favorites. They are in Tampa. I actually have Detroit as a four point favorite. Again, just one more point than what Vegas has. And again, you've got another team coming out of the bye that just struggles. After a bye, Tampa Bay is one and four going back to 2018 and one and four against the spread. So they're coming out of a bye. I think a lot of people would see that as to their benefit against Detroit. They've had more time to prepare, et cetera, et cetera. But they, like everybody else, are just what I mean, again, we're two and two since Matt LaFleur got here, and we're pissed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one and four straight up and against the spread. So, more stuff in the favor of Detroit in terms of reasons to bet them, unfortunately. But obviously, we're massive Tampa Bay fans. Um, Philadelphia, seven point favorites over the Jets. I have them almost exactly seven point favorites, 25 to 18. Interestingly enough, the Jets have never once beaten the Eagles in their entire team history. And the Jets have covered the spread against Philadelphia just one time back in 1996. That's it. So yeah, I feel comfortable in Philadelphia winning the game. Not as much on the spread, which seems weird because Philadelphia seems like a significantly better team. But you got to remember, seven points is a lot in a game that's probably going to be low scoring because the Jets don't really give up a lot of points. So it's hard to cover a seven point spread when you have a hard time scoring points. So I have a 25-18. It's right at seven points. Uh New York Giants and Buffalo Bills. I don't exactly know what the update is, but um I know the Giants are having hurt quarterback, Daniel Jones, tight end Darren Waller, left tackle Andrew Thomas, center John Michael Schmitz, uh wide receiver Wandale Robinson, outside linebacker Ozizo Jolari, and offensive tackle Matt Peart, Or Pert, I'm not sure. I think they call it pronounce it Peart, because the drummer I think is pronounced Pert. I don't know. Good drummer though. And that's on top of Saquon Barkley being out. So the bottom line is, even not looking at the injuries, Vegas has the Buffalo Bills as 14-point favorites. I have them winning by 22. And the Giants might not even have their quarterback in this game. So I am beyond comfortable with Buffalo, not just Buffalo, but Buffalo covering the spread at 14, which... I feel like most of the time when I bet, it's on these big games because Vegas doesn't like to really push it super high, and there are some games where it's like, yeah, I got them as 30-point favorites, so I guess I'm going in that direction. But the last five times Buffalo has been a 14-point favorite or more, they've covered every time except once, so they are 4-1. and one. And 2021 was the last time the Bills didn't cover as 14-point favorites, so as much as that's scary to bet on a team that's a 14-point favorite, Buffalo has paid out uh, pretty handsomely. And, and I think that's Buffalo's identity. I mean, they, they they do tend to struggle once in a while, but they they beat the crap out of bad teams. That's just what they do. So again, I'm relatively comfortable, certainly in Buffalo winning, relatively comfortable, even with a 14-point spread. The, the official score that I have is 34-12. to 12. So good defense, too, against the Giants' beat-up garbage offense. So there you go. Final game, Dallas Cowboys two-point favorites over the L.A. Chargers. I actually have Dallas as five point favorites. I have a twenty seven to twenty two uh the biggest issue that I have is Dallas on the road. I mean overall, Dallas is still the number eight offense, the number seven defense in terms of just total points. They scored forty to nothing against the Giants. They won thirty to ten against the jets. they won thirty eight three against the Patriots like they're a dominant team, but they have these two games that they got blown out in one. They lost by 12 points to the frickin' Cardinals, and then two weeks later, they lose 42-10 to to the 49ers. Even though it's the 49ers, that's terrible to get blown out that bad. Here's the thing. 49ers-Cardinals on the road. Jets-Patriots at home. The only game that, that stands out is the Giants game where they scored 40-0 to on the road. But since then, it's home. They win by 20. On the road, they lose to a terrible team by 12. Then at home, they win by, what, 35. Then on the road, they lose by 32. They're on the road again. So that makes me pretty nervous. So again, I would lean Dallas even against the spread, but the the on-the-road thing makes me nervous enough where I just don't really want to touch it. I think I did, but I bet very, very, very slightly on Dallas. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas even loses the game and, and loses it big possibly. But we'll see. This will be a little bit more of a definitive test of if they are just a terrible road team right now. Anyways, why don't we wrap it up finally. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow or tonight. Have a good one. Bye-bye.